0: crying
1: Well, good morning to you. Hey, thank you for having uh, that swim into church today. Uh, glad you made it here safely. It's so good to see you. Man, is it just, this is just one of those days where it's cold and rainy, and uh, it's just one of those days that have been so much easier to stay home and uh, stay in bed. But thank you. Thank you for being willing to uh, get up and brave all of that to be able to come and worship with us today. It is good to see you here. Uh, I want to take just a moment to uh, point your attention to your bulletin. I hope that you will take the opportunity to read uh, through your bulletin. All of the announcements there are extremely important. A couple of things uh, that you'll notice in there is that we've got the dates on Vacation Bible School. Uh, Nancy's working to put together an Easter choir. Uh, There's also, uh, can you believe we're having to put graduation in here already? Uh, if you know someone graduating, so a whole lot of things in here are very, very important. The, uh, the, uh, and I just, pregnancy resource center. I was looking at PRC and I'm going pro bull riders association. No, that's not it. That's PBA. Uh, the, yeah, the pregnancy resource center, uh, we've got that going on. Please read through this. Everything is very important. Uh, and you, we want you to be involved and be aware of everything that's going on. We're going to take just a moment to pray together, then we'll uh, jump into our time of worship. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, how good it is to be in the Lord's house on this Lord's day. And Lord, we know that it's just so messy outside and cool and rainy. And uh, Lord, it's just, uh, just one of those raw January days. But we thank you, Lord, that you allow us to have an opportunity to come together to enjoy warm fellowship, to enjoy a time of celebrating who you are and a time of being able to lift our voices together to proclaim your glory. And today, Lord, that's exactly what we want to take place in this room. We ask you to be with all of our church members who aren't able to be here that are battling illnesses and sicknesses, diseases, whatever it may be. We ask you to be with them, strengthen their bodies, renew health, Lord, do an an amazing and mighty thing in their life in such a way that no doctor can take credit for it, that every person will have to point toward heaven and say, only God could do such an amazing work. We just pray, Lord, you have glory and honor through this struggle that they're in. Now, Lord, we give you our time together. We know that there's nothing that we can plan or promote to do during our time together today, Lord, that will have any eternal value unless you're in it. So we invite you, Lord Jesus, to take control of what we're doing here today. May everything that we do, every word that we speak or sing, every, every action that we take, may it exalt the name of Jesus above every name. for it's in that name we pray. Amen. Good morning I'm going to invite you. To stay and let's stay together.
0: God, it's a nasty day out, but nonetheless, it's another day that we get to come into your house, and we thank you for that.
1: Uh, We just pray that you'd be with Pastor Tommy, that you would anoint his lips, let us be receptive to what he has to say, and we thank you so much again for this time and for the opportunity we have to give back. Bless the giver and bless the gifts, and we just pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Well, it's that time of month again. I want to invite all of our kids to come join me up front for our kids' uh, sermon today. Um, So come on down. The pew is right. (laughs) You know, preparing myself for the dad jokes. Um, As our kids are um, coming, I want to thank everyone who supported Courtney and I at our baby shower. Um, I think it was last week. Um, uh, so I just thank you guys for all of that. That helped us out so so much. It's been a long week. Um, so, hey guys, how y'all doing this morning? Good? Good. Okay, I'm going to sit down here with you guys. Can you tell me afterwards? Awesome. So, I want to give you guys a challenge. Can you guys guess what one of Pastor Zach's favorite toys were as a kid? No, not Jesus toys. I, 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 don't, I didn't like Jesus that much when I was your age. <laughs> How could I know? It's, it's just the worst. The pastor didn't have Jesus toys. Sonic toys? I don't know if Sonic toys were around yet. Um, yeah. Choo-choo trains? No, not choo-choo trains. Not dinosaurs, no. No, not video games. Video games weren't quite popular yet. Oh, controls? No. So they come in a pack of about a, about 50 of them. Oh, I guess maybe about 20 now. They're about this big, and they're green. Yoda. Yodas. <laughs> I love it. That's a good guess. Yoda. Green and little. I, that's awesome. No, it was army men. Army men. Have, have y'all ever played with army men, little green guys? Uh, I've seen them. You've seen them, but you know. Well, that's so sad. Have a video <laughs> that's the birthday. the my next birthday gift for him? Bur- Army, Army man. Army man. Wow. So, Army man, I used to have, like... in my grandparents' house had this massive kitchen with, like, all the counter space you could ever think of. And you know what a kid at your age sees a counter space? They see a battlefield. So, I made big battlefields with like hundreds I thought was thousands of army men and Legos and like I would throw things at them to make them die and it was awesome army men um so I tell you that story to ask you another question why do we come to church to learn about Jesus Jesus. that is so important Uh, to be a part of the Lord's army yeah so we come to church, as Pastor Tommy is going to talk about a little bit today, is to be prepared. To be prepared. Just like an, an army soldier has to prepare for battle, we are in a spiritual battle. Like We have an enemy, Satan, who is trying to get us and trying to take us out. And we have to come to church and be with other people that believe in Jesus to prepare to fight the battle that's before us. Um, so that we're not taken away, that we're not captured, and we're not taken by the enemy. We come to church so we can learn about Jesus, the, how to stand against and fight our enemy. So um, that's why we do what we do here at church. Um, can I pray with you guys? Let's pray. Um, dear Father God, thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord, thank you for these kids that showed up, and thank you for their parents who brought them here, Lord. Um, it's so valuable that parents want their kids to be in church, Lord, and just see them grow in you and learn how to worship well, Lord. Um, it's just so amazing, Lord. I love um, these kids and I uh, just pray that you are showing yourself off to them so they can just be filled with the wonder of who you are. Um, Lord, as they um, go out um, from this place today, I hope that their parents are teaching them everything they need to know to be ready for the battle that is before them. Um, Lord, we just love you and we thank you. Amen.
3: As we wait for Zach to get to the drums, we all wear multiple hats here. I'm going to invite you all to stand, and let's prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message today as we sing together. Maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness.
1: We serve a way maker. One that can come alongside of us when we find ourselves in situation and in places where it just seems like we're stuck and can't can't find our way out. He comes there to us and shows us that there is a way, and it's through him. Join me, if you will, in the book of Colossians, chapter number two. Colossians chapter number 2, and today we're going to be uh, reading verses 8 down through verse number 12, excuse me, Colossians chapter number 2, beginning in verse 8 and reading down through verse number 12. Here's what the Bible says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy And empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Let's take a moment to pray together. Our Father and our God, how good it is to be able to open up the inerrant, the infallible, the inspired Word of God, to be able to read the words from these pages, knowing that they are they are so much more than just ink and paper, but they are the words of life, the words of truth that we can. Build our life on them and around them. That we can stand on these words knowing that when we do, we are on a solid rock. Because they speak of the one who is the eternal rock of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. In these next few moments, Lord, we just pray that you speak to our hearts. Turn our eyes toward heaven that we may hear your voice as you speak to us, and that we may respond in faith according to your will. Lord, I ask you to take this earthen vessel. Lord, I realize there's not a single word that I can say today of any eternal value outside of the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, O God, that you fill this earthen vessel with your power, your presence, and your spirit. And that through these lips of clay come your words of truth. We give our time to you now is our prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. I debated on today's message title. Avoiding the Holy Hustle. Now, I'll tell you why I debated on that. There's some of us in this room that the word hustle brings to mind a dance. And that's not the hustle we're talking about, okay? Instead, today I'm talking about the American slang word, hustle. That actually, believe it or not, has its own definition and that definition is that a hustle is inducing by fraud, pressure, or deception, especially of inexperienced or uninformed persons, to buy something, participate in an illicit scheme, or a dishonest gambling game. Now, I always think of, when I think of the, this word, the hustle, I I picture in my mind the the person out on a street corner in a busy city that has the cups and the ball and they're they're getting people to place their bets and they're over there scrambling these cups around and and then they have to the person has to place their money next to the cup they think that ball is under and more times than not they lose their money or or that that card shark that just seems to know how to, by sleight of hand and by knowledge of human nature, be able to, to, to induce someone to place money on a bed in a card hustle just to lose their money. If the Bible teaches us anything, it teaches us that Satan, the very enemy of our souls, is a hustler. That he is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's always promising you something but giving you nothing in return. Or he will promise you something great and grand but then deliver something that is worthless and valueless. You see, his goal is not to keep us from being religious people. I believe Satan loves religious people. You want to know the truth. I, I think there's are some of his favorite people. But his goal is to deceive us in such a way that it keeps us from a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants us to take religious activity in place of a relationship with Jesus. He wants us to take traditions and practices... And used them as a substitute for a relationship with Jesus. The city of Colossae had been attacked by false teachers. Satan was using these false teachers to hustle a false religion to the people of Colossae. His goal was to get them to take their eyes off of the gospel of Christ, that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and Jesus is your only help. If he can just get your eyes off of that and get your eyes onto something that you may perceive to be just as good a, a religion or a religious activity or a religious practice. If he could just get your eyes off of the, the real thing and onto the counterfeit thing, then he's got you. He runs that hustle today. He's not trying to keep people from being religious. In fact, I would say that the world is full of religious people. That everybody, everywhere has some kind of religion. Even those who claim to be atheists have a religion. They worship themselves. They don't worship the God of heaven. And his goal is to get those around us to accept some counterfeit spirituality in place of that living relationship with Jesus. I believe that's why Billy Graham once said that he believed at the time that he spoke those words that 80% of the people who call themselves church members were lost. 80%. Let that sink in for a minute. Well, what's wrong with the with that 80%? Is it that they're bad people? Is it that they're out doing things that that are immoral and, and illegal and irreverent. No, 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 it's not that. That, that. that 80% may be good, moral, religious people. But so many are replacing religion with the relationship of Jesus Christ. I was listening to a podcast of a pastor just the other day as I was riding down the road and and... And he preached a, a, a great message at the time. I, I thought it was, it was amazing. He, he was preaching the difference between Christianity and a relationship with Christ. And how even Christianity, the very word of it as a religion, can become a false teaching. If we're taught that that's all I've got to do is join a Christian church participate in christian activities be baptized or take of the sacraments or whatever it may be i just got to participate in all of this christian activity and if i just participate in all those christian activities then that must make me a christian when in reality the only thing that makes us a christian a little christ is to have a relationship with the real christ So, how do we avoid the holy hustle and ensure that we are propagating the real gospel, that we're sharing the real Jesus? Two very simplistic ways that he points to us in this passage of Scripture. The first is this, and we found it in verse number 8. Where he said, seek to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. So here's the very first way that we can make sure we are, we are, we are following the real gospel and embracing the real Jesus and not being hustled with a religious hustle. And that is, first of all, be able to recognize the counterfeit. These counterfeit teachers in Colossae were pushing a counterfeit gospel. And the people were falling for it. It sounded good. It, to, the, it, to the ears and, and to those who were searching, it sounded religious enough. That if they would invest their life in that, that, that maybe, just maybe, they would be saved from damnation and eternal hell. But a counterfeit gospel, here's, here's how I want to help you understand the counterfeit gospel. It has, and he puts it in here in plain English for us, two very important traits that a false gospel carries. The first trait of a false gospel is that it's based on the traditions of men. Now, what do you mean by that? And and please don't hear me say that all traditions are evil or wrong. That's not what I'm saying. However, many of the things that were presented to these believers in Colossae as being quote-unquote biblical or Christian were nothing more than man-made traditions. But the traditions of man, these false teachers were raising them up to the same level as the authority of Scripture and saying that doing these man-made things are just as important or in many cases more important than that gospel presentation of a relationship with Jesus. So it's, a counterfeit gospel is based on the traditions of men. When we raise those traditions to the same level as biblical truth, we are treading on dangerous ground. Paul knew this well. Paul had been raised, in his own words, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, what I meant by that is that he had been taught and had memorized and had learned extensively the Jewish Mishnah, which were 63 man-made laws. He had also become well-versed in the Jewish Talmud, which had 613 man-made laws. With almost 700 man-made laws, he had been educated and schooled, and he had embraced all of these things. But if we remember correctly, God gave 10. Right? In fact, to begin with, in the very beginning of time, God gave one commandment. You remember what it was? Don't eat off that tree. Eat off that tree, you die. One law. Man couldn't keep one. He gave us those ten to form a a framework to show us just how we have the inability to live a sinless life. The law is good and the law is pure and the law is perfect, but it was never intended to save us. It was there to be a mirror for us, a schoolmaster for us, a teacher for us to show us just how bad we are to show us the level of God's holiness and the level of our sinfulness that was the purpose of the law but in an effort to enforce God's 10 commandments over time these religious leaders developed all of these other man-made laws almost 700 of them and Paul had been schooled in them and learned them, and Paul had to come to that understanding one day when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had to come to those to the understanding that those man-made laws were never going to get him into heaven. That only salvation by the grace of God through Jesus Christ would get him into heaven. That his only hope were not resting in those those six hundred plus man-made laws and traditions and, and, and all of the, 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 the trappings that went with it, but his only hope was in Jesus and Jesus alone. These things may have been good, they may have been moral, they may have even been religious, but they were insufficient for salvation. Salvation. I can't help but wonder how many people have embraced the traditions of men and used them as 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 the means and the, of their hope for salvation. The Pharisees were. Even condemned by Jesus, by the way, for raising their man-made laws to the same level as God's law. He, he told them, you, you're making a mockery of the truth because you're taking what you believe and how you act and what you think righteousness looks like and you're raising it to the same level as the truth of God's Word. That false gospel is filled with traditions. Now, can, can, can I back up here for just a second? Because I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. If we're not careful in our zeal, we will take tradition and raise it to the same level as Scripture. Let me, let me, show, let me show you what I'm talking about, okay? What does it mean in your mind, you'll have to answer out loud, to be a good Christian? What does it mean in your mind right now to be a good Christian? How many of you just pulled out of your memory bank a list of things to do? Well, if I'm a good Christian, I got to go to church. If I'm a good Christian, I Got to read my Bible every day. If I'm a good Christian, I got to pray every day. If I'm a good Christian, I got to to share my faith everywhere I go. If I'm a good Christian, I've I've got to do all these things. Now, listen, are those things bad? Absolutely not. Don't hear me say they're bad. But listen, folks, what it means to be a Christian is to have a relationship with Jesus. Doing those things do not make you a Christian. Being a Christian is why you ought to do those things. Does that make sense? Going to church is important because it's an opportunity for those who have a relationship with Christ to come together and celebrate that relationship, to celebrate the grace that saves us, to celebrate the mercy that we have received, to celebrate the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that a wretched, rotten, no-good, low-down, hell-destined sinner like me could have eternal life. But when we take going to church and we replace it with having a relationship with Jesus, when we say, well, look, as long as I go to church, I'm going to heaven, it doesn't happen that way. In our discovery class this morning, that's where we started about the truth that you can put your name on every church role in Stanley County. You can put your name on, on every church role in, in North Carolina. You can give as much money as you want to give and you can serve on as many teams as you want to serve and you can do all of this stuff. But listen, folks, while those things are good and things are, uh, those are, those are personal and practical things that live out Christianity, it's not the way to heaven. Those are not the way to heaven. Now, here we go. If I'm truly a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be in worship on Sunday. I'm not going because I have to because my salvation depends on it. I'm going because I want to. Because it's an opportunity for me to say, Yay, God, thank you for who you are and for what you've done for me. I give not because I think that's my opportunity to get in good favor with God, but I give because I want to be obedient to His, His word where He tells us to bring those things into the storehouse that His gospel may spread. I want to partner with God to make sure that the gospel goes around the world. That's why I give. I, I sing and I serve, not because it's what's expected of me to do, but I sing and I serve because it's my way of expressing love to the Savior that saved me. You see, the beginning of false teaching is that it replaces the relationship with Jesus with the traditions of men. Then there's a second way we can tell if it's counterfeit or not. And that is that the counterfeit gospel pushes the principles of the world. The King James Version uses the words rudiments of the world. Many of the false teachers embrace beliefs that are made popular in false or pagan religions. And they try to incorporate those beliefs and those practices into religious traditions. And then they impose them on their followers. I remember when they, when they first started publishing in the newspaper. I, I understand our younger generation don't know what a newspaper is, but for the rest of us, the older ones, they started publishing the horoscope every day. Now, I'll, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I, as a as a as a young man, as a, as a teenager, I used to read that thing every day. I wanted to know what was going to happen to me that day. Didn't you? And then, and, and for some reason. I'd always believe that whatever I read came true, whether it did or not. But here's the thing. Have you ever ever heard anybody say this? I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. That's their way of saying, I'm lost, and I'm searching for truth. See, a false gospel, here's what a false gospel does, is it adds on to Jesus Horoscopes, astrology, Ouija boards, palm reading, mediums. All those were remnants of pagan practices cloaked in spiritual meaning and spiritual language. And there are believers who think that God uses those kinds of things to communicate with them. That's a false gospel. If we're going to avoid Satan's hustle, we need to be able to recognize Teaching and practices that are filled with man-made traditions and worldly principles. And I'm here to tell you that today there are those who have taken man-made tradition and worldly principles. And they've mashed them together. And he said this is what Christianity looks like. Folks, I'm here to tell you that it's not. It's not. I have no problem. I have no problem. Listen to what I'm telling you. Did you hear me say that? I have no problem with. Lights and. Videos and 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 the instruments and all these other things but when your worship becomes more about putting on a performance than it does about worshiping the God who saves us then that is a rudiment of the world. And unfortunately, listen. There are great churches and there are Bible teaching churches and Bible believing churches that have great that have great lighting and have great bands and have great uh, great performers or or people who sing. But but listen, th- those aren't the things that we're looking at. We're looking at a relationship with Jesus Christ. And and, why, and listen, the, the world has learned, and the church is, is is starting to adapt to it. That if I can entertain people, maybe they'll come to my church. if i can give you the warm fuzzies before you leave maybe you'll come back but folks those are the those are the rudiments of the world yes we need to sing to the top of our lungs with with our great musicians and our great music uh, personnel that lead us yes we need to we need to be able to to, to enjoy and, and be enriched by, uh, by things that have been produced for us to see and to watch. And we need all of that. And, yet, and it's important that we have those things. But when the, the, the rationale behind it and the reasoning behind it is that if I don't make people feel good, then they're not going to come back, then we've missed the mark. There's even some churches, Zach and I have talked about this, the glory cloud. Hey, look it up. It's out there. That if you you really want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, here's what they do. They form a little line, and they get a bunch of glitter. And you run through the line, and they throw glitter up and let it rain down on you. They say, well, look at that. You run through the glory cloud. Are you kidding me? Satan invented glitter. We all know that. But it was about making people feel something without having a relationship with the God that saves. Yeah, I, we got to be careful that we recognize the counterfeit. And then just the opposite is true. If we're going to avoid that holy hustle, we got to hold fast to the truth. Starting in verse 9 and then going forward to the end of verse 12 where we read together he talks about that he talks about the truth what is truth truth is that in jesus the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form that the truth is that in him you are made complete the truth is he is the head over all rule and authority the truth is that he he is the one who circumcises us with a circumcised with a circumcision not by hand and 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 the truth is that if we've been buried in his baptism and we've been raised up with him in faith that God is working in our lives to rescue us from eternal death that's truth so you got to recognize the truth in 1865 the US government created the secret service agency and the reason for the secret service agency, was that it was there to stop the counterfeiting of American currency. And even to this day, the secret service agents are trained to identify counterfeit currency by studying the real currency. In other words, a secret service agent becomes so familiar with the smell with the texture with with the nuances the the ink patterns and everything that is a real a, a real american currency they become so familiar with it that at just a glance they can tell if it's real or not they can identify a fake that quick because they have become so familiar with the real that the fake becomes obvious you see that's What we are to do as believers. We are to become so, we are to become so knowledgeable and versed in in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We are to become so Immersed in the word of God that when someone presents something that is cloaked in religion, cloaked in tradition, cloaked in worldly rudiments, and they present it to us as truth, we're able that quick to say that's a false gospel. Paul gives the basics of a true gospel. The first one is that the true gospel is founded on the deity and the divinity of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, you can call it whatever you want to call it, and you can brand it whatever you want to brand it, but whatever is being taught, if it, is, if it denies that Jesus is God in the flesh and that He is the only begotten Son of God, it is a false gospel if it teaches you he's a way if he's one way that he's the best way then it's a false gospel he didn't come to be he didn't come to be a way he didn't come to be one way he came to be the way and only the way and he is able to provide that because he is god in the flesh he is god incarnate and anything that denies that is a false gospel. Man, I did preached preach my headset off. The second truth is that it's Jesus plus nothing for salvation. I want you to look at verse 10, and I want you to hold on to verse 10, because verse 10 is the lifeline of a believer. You, you, here it is. In him you have been made complete. In Jesus, you are complete. You don't need to add anything to Jesus in order to be complete in your salvation. You don't need to turn around and and say, Well, I'm going to accept Jesus, but then i got to make sure I do this in order to get to heaven. It doesn't work that way. A false gospel says it's Jesus plus. Jesus plus this and Jesus plus that. And and, and look, if you want to be made complete in God, you don't only need Jesus. He's the starting point of that. But you also need to add all of these other things on top of it. And now you're made complete. I'm here to tell you that in the moment you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are as saved as you will ever be. And there's nothing outside of Jesus that can make you more saved. And there's nothing outside of Jesus that can make you less saved. In other words, if I don't add these other things, then I've, I'm less saved than others. No, no, no. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Then you have, you have salvation in its completeness. And He makes you complete. And when you stand before God on your judgment day, He's not going to ask you about all these other things. And He's not going to ask you about your church attendance, even though that is important. <laughs> He's not going to ask you about how much money you gave, even though that is important. He's not going to ask you how many committees you served on, how many teams you served on. Even though those are important things. What he's going to want to know is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's what he wants to know. All these other things that are good things are things we do because we have Jesus. Not in order to get more of him. We are made complete in jesus christ you see these false teachers they were insisting that in order to be saved you had to become a jew yeah 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 that jesus guy he's a good he's a good guy you need to put your faith in him but you also need to become a jew for the men that meant they had to be circumcised for the women it meant they had to go through purification rituals but paul tells us that we don't need rituals to be replaced To be placed in a covenant relationship with God. That Jesus does everything we need done. When we come to him in repentance. And surrender. And in faith. You have a complete salvation. A false gospel will put heavy ritualistic burdens on the backs of people. And Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for that. Doing good things won't make you more saved. I tell people there's, there's two things that you do every day. You do the things that you have got to do. And you do the things that you get to do. Got to do, that's work, isn't it? How many times have you got up on a morning... And you thought, man, if I could just stay in bed another hour. But then you say internally, but I've got to go to work. Well, you, unless you don't want to pay the bills. I've got to's. You know, we, we all have the got to's, don't we? I mean, you've got to do certain things. But see, what makes life worth living is the get-tos. I get to do some things. Not because because I have to, but because I want to. If church is a got-to thing for you, if reading your Bible is a got-to thing for you, if praying is a got-to thing for you, you're missing the joy of salvation because coming to church is a get to reading your bible is a get to praying is i get to i get to talk to god today i get to study his word today i get to come worship with his people today if it's a got to you've turned you've turned something good into something bad god wants us to get our get-tos and our got-tos straightened out you know why i get to come to church because god blessed me enough to live in a country where i can come to a, a place like this openly and worship without fear of people burning my home or taking my life or harassing my family or losing my job i get to come i love our church you're a get-to kind of people. I like coming here because I get to. I get to. This week our staff spent a couple of days going around and visiting all our shut-ins. And that wasn't a got-to. That was a get-to. It was a joy for us to be able to sit on in the room with some of these folks that we love that can't come anymore and just be able to... See how they're doing and share with them and pray with them. That was a get-to. What is is your Christian life right now? A bunch of got-tos or a bunch of get-tos? I close with this. If we're going to keep from falling prey to a false gospel, if we're going to keep from falling prey, then we've got to be able to Recognize the counterfeit and we've got to hold to the truth what are you depending on for your salvation because the truth of the matter is it's jesus and absolutely nothing else he is all you need if you're in this room this morning and you are depending on on your attendance here today to get you into heaven. I don't have a special stamp I can give you as you go out that will earn you ad- admission into heaven. I just don't have that stamp. If you're here today because you feel like you have to be, I gotta be there. It's a got to. You're missing the joy of salvation. But today, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you know that, then today's a get-to kind of day. In just a moment, as we stand, we sing, I'm going to be down front. It may be that today, maybe God's tapped you on the shoulder and said, you know what, you're holding on to a whole bunch of religious stuff, hoping it's going to get you into heaven, and it's just not going to work. The only way into heaven is through Jesus. And maybe today, you need to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to be standing down here at the front pew, and if you want somebody to pray with you, pray for you, you come. I'll, and take me by the hand. I'd love to be able to do that. If, if, your, if your salvation has become a chore, maybe it's because you've stepped out of that relationship. No, you're still saved. But maybe you've stepped away from the relationship, and you're trying to make your, fulfill that void in your life with all of these activities. You're going to, you're going to remain empty because it will always fall short let's pray father god i thank you that today you are all that we need that jesus you are enough not just enough lord jesus you are more than enough that you have accomplished for us everything needed for salvation Lord, forgive us of where we have taken the traditions of men, the religious practices of the culture, and replaced our relationship with you with those things. Lord, how I pray that in the moments that we have left together as we sing this closing song, that Lord, if there is one person in this room, That is depending on their religious actions and activities to get them to heaven. And they have never come into a personal, intimate relationship with you, Lord Jesus. How I pray that right here, right now, today, will be their day of true salvation. Lord, I pray for that truly born-again believer who in the hustle and bustle of life have stepped away from the relationship and tried to embrace more religious activities in order to be found complete. May today be the day they understand that Lord Jesus, you are all they need. You are more than enough that we stand in our relationship with you complete before a holy God. In these next few minutes, Lord, move us away from those good and moral things that we have come to place eternal hope in. And may we find in Jesus that all-sufficiency that you are. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. I pray that you have a wonderful afternoon and uh, look forward to seeing you next time we come together. Let's take just a moment to, oh, you got something? Yeah. I just want
3: to say anybody that might be, that is thinking about joining us for, uh, we're going to sing on Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. Um, the music that we will be singing has been posted to our choir website, which is fbclmusic.com. You can go and take a listen. It's some great stuff. And I really would like to see a bunch of you in the choir room with us on February the 1st. Thanks.
1: Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Father, again, thank you for this opportunity to be in this house of worship today. We pray, Lord, that you just uh, go with each person as they leave this place, keep them safe in their journey home. And just ask, Lord, that as we go through this coming week, uh, that, Lord, we will embrace our relationship that we have with you, Lord Jesus. And that we will find in that um, everything that we need for the week that lies ahead. And I pray, God, that you just use us to be your lights in a very dark world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.